Hello and welcome to another episode of the St. George's Right and Stuff, the official podcast and part of the arsenal of the digital ministries of the Church of St. George the Martyr in Kales River, alongside the chapelries of St. Mark and St. Monica's. I am Lindsay Shooters and I enjoy and I am joined as always by our rector, the Archdeacon, Father Rodney Whiteman. Father Rodney, how are you doing? Good afternoon, Lindsay. I'm uh, doing very well. Thank you for the grace of God. Um, and so is our family. Just returned back from a family excursion to the, um, the mall in Somerset with its huge amount of people there. Mm. And um, shopping does look different these days with every one of us masked and mm-hmm. stopped at, as we enter the shops for, for, for this. And it, it seemed to have been a, quite a good experience to see how, how people are generally um, observing protocols, which one mm. uh, is sort of, we, we talk in a limited space in our churches, but, uh, you know, uh, people have to get out. There's no other way about it, but can we get out there safely? And I'm confident that the majority of us are trying our level best. So mm. I trust all is well with you and your family, Lindsay, too. Yes, yes, yeah. all is well. The baking is happening. The orders are flooding in for my wife. So all is good. Um, yeah, we actually had a drive by Strand Beach yesterday. It was a peach of a day, um, nice and warm, no wind to really speak of, and the beaches were packed, and the social distancing was low. But yeah, we will try and do our best as people, as everybody. Please wear those masks over your nose and mouth. Uh, maintain social distancing, and if the mask is uncomfortable, always remember that you don't have to wear a mask inside your own house. Um, <laughs> Father, this is the Feast of Christ the King. We spoke about it briefly when I questioned how the liturgy actually flows from year to year. Because obviously we now, after this, we go into Advent and we await the coming of Jesus. And then there's that short little bit into Easter again. Um, so the, the theme you have extracted from the colic is rule in our hearts and guide us to be faithful. And just before we started, we had a bit of a discussion of how um, you mentioned about how many churches, or at least we are very derivative, like from the U.S. We try and cap, like model ourselves unwittingly on what the people in the U.S. are doing. And there's been a big movement there. Okay, background. My wife is getting to the swing of Christmas, and we've been listening to the Christmas carols, and the playlist that YouTube Music, or at least Google, kicked out didn't have many um, faith-based songs. It was all like secular, sort of Santa Claus, like all those things. Um, And I actually found an issue with this because surely I, I think that Jesus is being removed from Christianity. And I wanted to get your thoughts on this. I, I think, you know, that we live in a world where, I mean, even the Gospels show how people wanted to write Jesus out of the narrative. Mm. Um, they wanted no association between him and the law, no association between him and God. So um, that has been this, the, the challenge in, throughout the, the, the history of the historical Jesus. Mm. Um, 
I, I remember that the word the word Christmas is made up of Christ and Mass. We say mm, yes. so. It's Christmas is the celebration of the Mass of Christ, but it has um, as as anything does have. There are um, indigenous and cultural festivals that happened at the same time, uh, and Christianity had sort of as it broke into these um, contexts, probably had adopted some of those things too, uh, but made the festival, made the time a Christ-centered one. Mm. So focusing mm. on the person of Christ, focusing on who he came to be for the world. But it is, uh, there's been a battle between secularization and, and, and spirituality for a very long time. Coming up with different um, theories, different philosophies that give them meaning, mm. and it for mm. them doesn't have to focus on the the person of Jesus Christ. Um, when you, when we make comparisons comparisons to it, often it is um, so called logical statements made about a particular thing, but for the church, without the person. Of Christ, we then also eliminate the presence of God, mm. and and um, mm. and I mean, Nishka had, had called us a society where God has 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 been removed, and man is the central um, focus point. Mm. So this is uh, this is an event that's happened throughout of history. The church has got therefore got to continue in its study, reading, prayer, and its whole life. Got to continue being that voice, sometimes a voice in the wilderness, but not necessarily a wilderness that is desert-like, a wilderness that is now clouded with structures that are huge towers where their propagations are louder than the mm. churches. And sometimes churches think that to be in good um, competition, they have to become like them. Mm. And then, unfortunately, the message of Christ gets diluted, where eventually even the preaching of the gospel is not about Jesus. As Paul says, we preach Christ crucified, mm. uh, where, where Christ crucified is not being preached, but where you're given a sermon of how good you can become all on your own. If you yeah. follow, and then there will be some some tenants. So yes, the church has got to be constantly aware that we are not diluting our message so that we can have pews full. We must be faithful, as the text as the text of the theme says. The way to be faithful, uh, we cannot just be faithful on our own. We need to be guided to be faithful. But how mm. does that happen? It happens because only because God needs to rule in our hearts. Christ must become the king of our hearts yeah. so that we are able to be guided to be faithful. So in other words, without Christ ruling our hearts, we will not be able to be faithful at any time of the year. Because remember, the liturgical cycle um, interacts with the events of the world. Mm. It is, it is constantly needing to, be, to engage that message. Mm. So, for example, 
at one at one in one meeting, I was saying um, when when some some um, denominations were trying in the minister fraternal to hold on to Christianity as if it was only for the church. Mm. And I remember mm. making the statement and was criticized afterwards when I said, Chris, Christmas does not belong to Christians. And one of my colleagues from the more Pentecostal churches is, <laughs> But I hold to that because Jesus did not come to save the church. He came to build the church yeah. in order to yeah. save the world. And he saved the world as he was building the community of the church so that the church will become the instrument of his salvation and of the work of his kingdom. Mm. So I think sometimes we did get it wrong where we tried to make uh, as if Jesus didn't come for the, for the world. Jesus came exclusively for whoever happened to be Christian. Yeah, and, um, um, we'll, and I mean, we'll, we'll cover that. Um, like in the gospel because of the the sheep and the goat situation. Yeah. Um, but like like the point I'm getting at, like I, I, I enjoy the conviction in your statement there. And like I also enjoy the conflict that the question that I ask causes within me. Because on the one hand, I I am a secular person and I try and make a very human-centric version of the world or understand the world in a very human-centric version and try and teach lessons to whoever is receptive to it um, from that perspective. But, like, yes, I agree with you, Christmas doesn't belong to Christians, but the Christ part of Christmas is very much the example for Christians. So, like, the, the problem that I have now is in in the states, a lot of the evangelicals got behind um, the Trump and are perpetuating this lie of um, Donald Trump having not lost this election, which is 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 in its own. But I I think it's because they've removed Christ Jesus Christ from the Christian ministry, and when it's a direct kind of linked to God. So now you're looking for the will of God and you're trying to replace um, that philosophical understanding of your faith. So you find anything, any demagogue to, to, to chuck in there and Donald Trump just happens to be that person. Whereas in our context, something that really upset me was on Thursday night where there was a prayer vigil with Kudu Horns, bizarrely, being held at Brackenfell High School to justify a blatant act of discrimination. <laughs> like, we are protecting our community's right to not include all people in our celebration. <laughs> mm. Like, I, I, I don't get, and it's that co-opting. Whenever I see the word of God being co-opted like that, it's like, okay, cool. What are they missing? Oh. They're not actually referencing Jesus. They're just referencing God. And mm. it's like, so now they're filling the Jesus hole with whatever they believe. Mm. So do you see, you know, the risk God takes with us when he gives us himself 
as creator, as redeemer, and as sustainer. We then take him and seek to manipulate him into the version we want God to be mm. for us so that our message, which is a message of fear and division, can then be propagated. Mm. But I was again introduced to a text I use very often in, at wedding services, John chapter 15 from verse 7, where Jesus says, if you live in me and my word abides in you, then you can ask whatever you want and it will be done for you. Now, it depends on how you choose to read those words and how you choose to hear them, and mm. then how you choose to reflect on them. So often we go to, and you can ask whatever you want, and it will be done for you. Yeah. So, yeah. so in the case that you are saying, we will choose the symbolisms of, of horns to represent um, our stand of a message getting it across to you in such a way, but in this pot we will try to put something of God seems like there is a divine presence with us to be able to weaken your side. So it's really about God on the one side, fighting with God on the other side. Mm. Belief on the one side, fighting with belief on the other side. But nobody says, hold it. What is this all, all about, really? Mm. And so when we go back to the text, for those of us who want to pro propagate a Christian message and live a Christian life. The invitation is, if you abide in me and I abide in you, if my word abides in you, then you can ask whatever you want and it will be done for you. But you can never ask for anything you want without knowing the experience of living in me and I living in you and my word living in you and that interaction that goes on between that will eventually teach us what we can ask according to the will of God. Mm. And then the will of God will be. But I think, I think that's the point you're making. It's we do not, we want what we want and we want God to give it to us because we don't have the power to do it. But when it comes to saying, abide in me, what does that mm. really mean for us? And why would Jesus then say, abide in me, I abide in you, and then let my word abide in you? Mm. You see, because that then makes the difference to whatever we will be asking and what people doing. So do you think, I, uh, you know, that for various reasons, a, 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 a religious message is brought in to confirm whoever wants to put out a message of their own? So it's a backup for mm. their own mm. political, economic yeah. agendas. Yeah. But they're using a religious message without, the, in Christianity's case, without the person on whom that religious faith is based. Mm. Mm. And hence, we end up with war. Because mm -hmm. then it becomes a battle of ideologies and not just kind of following Absol the footsteps of Christ. Absolutely. <laughs> and it's very interesting that I just, I overheard this and became part of the conversation in the shop today. Um, 
pati 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 roy roy kepistra mm. ang kanos in kinet amo klama wow so so who, who is the personification of the red caps yeah malema. so malema is is and religious folk all that any person who's going to play a leadership role is often looked upon as a savior figure mm. as uh, a leader i don't know I I I struggle to see who won. In, yeah. At 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 Brackenfell High yesterday, like there were there were there were wrongs on both sides. But from my perspective, and like I'm sorry to go from this tangent, but um, the the EFF were provoked. Um, even like removing the events of the last couple of weeks where they were attacked by the community while they were protesting peacefully um you fast forward to what happened yesterday and the community did not i think it was the cape party who never missed an opportunity to canvass for votes <laughs> they they yeah. were adamant that they had the right to observe and it's like you don't have and i think the police made the point where they were like you don't have a permit to assemble here the eff have a permit to assemble here and like it was the antagonizing and then the, the catalyst to the then most violent situation that broke out was that gentleman who wanted to address um the secretary general while he was giving a speech and it's like why would you wade into that situation it's already heated he was reaching the crescendo of his message um by all accounts it was quite it was tense but peaceful to that point and then one person just did the now like a lot of people would say yes but look at how the EFF treated him and they beat him up and all the things it's like dude why would he go in would you go into like while lions are feasting on a carcass would you go stick your head in there <laughs> mm, mm, mm. So again, then the question comes down to this theme: to what, to what do people seek to be faithful? Mm. Therefore, what are in their hearts? Mm. And I think that is a good point um, to just calm the situation down with a collective prayer. And I'll catch up with you at the liturgy. My sisters and brothers, Leslie, uh, Lindsay, and I have been on a tangent as we always are. <laughs> we haven't forgotten you, so I greet you uh, with the greeting: the Lord, who is to be worshipped with gladness, is always with you. And I pray that you will trust in His presence with you as we continue to bring you very important parts of the liturgy. Uh, we now pray together, and if you can get hold of your um, pew leaflet, then it's the Collect for Christ the King Sunday. Let us pray together. Most holy God, majestic and mighty, our beginning and our end, rule in our hearts and guide us to be faithful, worshipping the one who comes as saviour and sovereign and who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen.
Father, the first reading is Ephesians 1, verses 15 to 23. And I I love how this just echoes kind of the, the crux of the conversation we were having where Paul opens. Well, it's actually quite contested whether Paul actually wrote this himself. Yep. But for the purposes of this podcast, we will assume that Paul was the author. Um, and he opens up on verse 15. For this reason, ever since I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all God's people, I have not stopped giving thanks to God for you. And I remember you in my prayers and ask God and ask the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, to give you the spirit who will make you wise and reveal God to you. Um, I'll stop it there. Um, yeah, it's, it's just echoing this idea of like he was so happy to hear that their faith is the same as his where it's like you the only route to the father is through the son and you have to like like th- th- that that for me is the point like i was i was going to give you the the proposition of like should we make a stand or a statement and say that we should bring christ back into christmas and into Christianity, because that's, that's the reason why I argued with you over the last two weeks, where it's like, these are words that Jesus spoke. This was his last lessons that he was giving to his disciples in the Gospels. And it's about trying to figure out what he meant, and not try and kind of read it at face value to line up with our ideologies, you know? Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. I, I think you know when I when I heard hear that and I hear what you're saying, what came up for me was this. Paul here seems to be saying that once he heard of the faith that they now um, enjoy in Jesus Christ and everything there are, which is joined to the love they have for all God's people. So faith for the Lord Jesus and love for people. Paul is celebrating their found faith in Jesus, Mm. which is also where he's found his faith in. I think what is happening is that we we are competing with one another whether the other's faith is in Jesus. Mm. So churches are Mm. criticizing each other. And it's 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 so our, we we are we are disputing whether the Anglicans have Jesus as central to their lives as the Baptists and as the Pentecostals and as the mega churches have, whereas Paul is saying, "Yeah, I just heard it. I heard it. That's all I've done. Mm. Somebody came to tell me about the experience that I've had of you, or ever wrote the the letter, um, that they have." been touched and moved and informed about your faith in Jesus, which is evident, but also that the expression of your faith in Jesus is showing in the way you love all God's people. So it's a Mm -hmm. celebration of faith. And I'm just wondering whether that is what we are to do. doesn't matter about the diversity of our traditions and our ideologies about who Jesus is and what we think of him. But that we confess faith in Jesus Christ should be Mm. celebrated. When we start making comparisons and warring one another, what are we doing with Jesus? And what are we doing with faith? 
So I think that the way, one of the ways of bringing Christ back is to look at each other different though we are, gather in the experience of your faith, recognizing its central, its centristic uh, point is Jesus, recognizing how you love God's people, and let's celebrate it. Don't look at the obvious diversity, which we can always deal with. Central to everything is your faith in the Lord Jesus and mm-hmm. my faith in the Lord Jesus, though different because we're unique, but it's focused on the one person of our Lord Jesus Christ, which then leads us and inspires us to embrace and love all God's people. Many of us will say, I believe in Jesus, but we reject God's people. Mm. We don't yes, have love yes. for the brother or the sister of the other church or the other faith tradition. Yeah. And that's, I mean, that that's what I said, like, right up top when we started this whole exploration of faith in this time of crisis was, I don't have a problem with my children being raised as Christian because it exposes them to a culture that where the very, like, the founding tenant is universal love and respect for one another. Um, love your neighbor as I have loved you. Love one another as I have loved you. That that sort of thing. Um, and I think it's encompassed in this, in verse 23, where it's like, the church is Christ's body, the completion of him who himself completes all things everywhere. And I think many people forget that they are actually worshiping and serving as disciples of Christ, as Christians. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know? yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I think, you know, earlier on, we, when you brought in this whole thing about uh, the evangelical church or uh, persuasion in America, it has been a very devastating to the churches, I think, where we've made an Afrikaans ophef mm. of, a, of a religious persuasion. I'm evangelical because I worship in a particular way. I mm. hear scripture in a particular way. I'm Anglican, therefore I hear it like this. But let's look at this. Paul is talking about the unity within the church. Now, he was talking, obviously, not directly to a 21st century church with all its magnificent, diverse, and factional uh, divisions in denominationalism and every other little thing that jumps up all over the show calling itself a church. Mm. Um, uh, He's talking about the, the real unity we should find in Jesus. And I think this part of the prayer is very important, uh, which you highlighted. Uh, praying to the Father, asking to give you the Spirit. Why? Because the Spirit will make you wise and reveal God to you so that you will know him. Our propagation is not based on proper wisdom that comes from God. And we have not been open to revelation. When I listen to some of the people who are now um, angry that it seems as if Biden snatched the election away from God because Trump was God's man for the Mm. next four years. Mm. And so he had his um, 
spiritual advisor, Paula White, um, go yeah. on television yeah. and do the thing. I think the thing that stands out the most was we, we, I hear the sound of the saints coming from Africa <laughs> and Latin America. The two places that Trump hates and called whatever he called. But also what was happening. She was trying to demonstrate the power of God in a very false way through publicly claiming to speak in tongues, which was not mm. the way Paul taught it. So we as the church can't say that we agree with that way because I don't see the wisdom in that. I don't hear mm. the wisdom coming in her prayer. I, I can't call that Christian because that was a show. Yeah. And so the church must stand up and be bold enough to say, yes, they claim to be Christians and we all have our weak points and make mess of things. But how did that help the, the statement you brought in from, from the letter here? The church is Christ's body. Mm. The completion of him who himself completes everything. We were not standing as the completion of him. There was no one voice as a church. And so does that mean that we haven't yet been open to or are we unwilling? Do we resist the spirit being given to us to make us wise and to reveal God to us? Are we then creating our own understanding of God and presenting that into the world? Because, because religious leaders can do that. Mm. and and create what one of the Ten Commandments said. Do not make a graven image. You, an image is not something you just see, an image you create in the mind. Mm. And that image is even worse to get, to get uh, rid of. Yeah. When the liturgy brings us to the culmination of its, of its year, it is Christ the King. It mm. is the feast uh, of Christ the King. Him in whom we find our faith um, and, and in he in whom we are able to love. So why are we then so divided when this festival says to us, we've journeyed from Advent to this point. We stand before the throne of a king, but more than the throne, we stand before the king himself where we are called to be in celebration. And when you're in celebration of the king, it's the faith we were able to find in him, mm. the love we were able mm. to receive from him, the wisdom that we were able to be empowered with, and the revelation he gave to, to us so that we can know him more fully. And in knowing him, we will know that we together are the completion of him. We find our unity in him. And that is what the church do. It's not only Anglicans that stand before Christ the King tomorrow. It's mm. all the church. Mm. It all claims that they're disciples of Jesus, as you said. But is that true? Are we all there? And if we're all there, are we trying to push one another away? Right, we're so, trying to elbow to the front of the queue. <laughs> I, I think so. I think so. Yet Paul is saying, hold it, this is about celebration in unison. 
Mm. Not in competition. Mm. The way some and people they have elbowed Jesus out of the way <laughs> to get they, they to get closer to God. Yeah. Uh, but one and, thing and the point did, is, yeah, yeah. Continue. Just go. And I just want to say that sometimes people would not even focus on Jesus; they'd be fo focusing on the throne because mm. that material symbol gives power. It yeah. doesn't. It symbolizes who Jesus is. Points to Jesus. Yeah. But one thing Paula, Paula White, White did do was that she, um, using just, <laughs> have, this is just a flippant comment, actually, as it was leaving, the thought was leaving my head now. I, I just had to reflect on it and say, uh, maybe this is, um, I, I'm a big fan of rap music. I think rap music is the the highest form of exploitation of all of the mechanics of the English language, of like, like you, you don't get better writing than one which has a narrative and has a rhyming structure, very intricate rhyming structure, and compresses a whole bunch of information into a very short space of into a very short space. Like rap music for me is there. And then what Paula White did with her little show was like slam poetry, which to me is always the poor cousin <laughs> of rap yeah. music. But besides for that, um all of that said, now we move on to the gospel, and it's math according to Matthew chapter 25, verses 31 to 46. It starts, when the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, then he will sit on the throne of his glory. All the nations will be gathered before him, and he will separate people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. So now we've we've established that. We must all be in unity. But now this is Jesus actually talking about division. Um, let's unpack this. <laughs> how, how do we reconcile this idea now after everything that we've said so far? Yeah, a, a very challenging um, thing. I think last week we also battled with this around mm. the theme of the second coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and what actually happens were the five foolish virgins, uh, five foolish versions, um, um, justifiably judged and kept out um, yeah. when they should have really been helped. So again, at the end of at the end of every process, there is a level of accountability. Mm. Uh, um, you know, your processes in work, your children's progress at school, um, when you're not satisfied with the outcomes, you then look for the, where the problems may have been so yeah. that you will then eventually yeah. separate that from what was good to be able to empower the person and build on that. Now, this is a very difficult thing because we're always speaking about, you know, the unity of our, our Lord Jesus Christ. But, but what is Jesus saying here? Is Jesus saying that when we model ourselves on what it means to be sheep, mm. we're talking about people who are dependent on the leadership of the shepherd, on the presence of the shepherd, on the, the fact that he will guide us into the places where we know we'll get food and he will ensure we do not get injured. Whereas, and so we, we're looking for 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 the for for 
for this persons who have, again, coming back to the Ephesians passage, found faith and trust in our Lord Jesus Christ and seeks to follow him with their whole lives. Mm. What, what, does, what do goats symbolize? And does it mean that some people's behavior would represent um, a goat um, who needs horns to protect itself? A goat whose behavior is unlike that of sheep, where there is stubbornness instead of humility, where we, we want to find our own way to salvation and mm. we do not need mm. the Savior. We want to find our own way to the food, even if it's going to place us in danger. Uh, we don't need to have the shepherd with us. There's so much we can do to protect ourselves. Talking about judgment as talking about suffering is always a difficult task, um, mm. I want to admit to you. And, and one doesn't want to, to see God or Jesus in this uh, way that he's actually going to judge people in such a way that he will make cause this division. But mm. he told mm. the story. He doesn't tell the story without qualification. Mm. Mm. And he goes on to say, um, what, what, does, what is he looking for in us? Yeah. He's, yeah. he's looking for a year again goes to him. When I was hungry, you fed mm. me. Now, it touches on a very sore point here. Because if anything, hunger is one of the worst enemies that humanity faces alongside things like illnesses and war. When we don't have serious illnesses such as uh, COVID-19, for example, the Spanish flu, and we don't have war in the way that wars in, uh, uh, are enacted. There are people who are looking for a piece of bread mm. every day of their lives. We have over a billion people, according to stats of the, U of the UN, are living under the bread line mm. uh, universally. So hunger is a Huge thing. And he starts with, with all of that. He doesn't start with the homeless, but they're included. He starts with where the stomach is. Mm. If there is nothing. So associated to both sheep and goats is their feeding system. Mm. A, 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 a sheep who has been given food will rest. Mm. But if we don't have the basic necessities how will we survive and mm. so are we observant in our own lifestyles whether we are adding to poverty or not take us take us to the to the to the to the to the brackenfeld situation mm. who is jesus there i <laughs> uh, that is a <laughs> That is a that that that's a loaded one. Um, I I'd say, in in that context, um, the Christ figure would be the children who were excluded, because like, so I I I agree with the accountability factor. Like I, so so my issue with with like the the virgins and the and the 
before that, there was also a person who was cast out and couldn't, wouldn't be. That was a, the guy who came in. He didn't have his wedding robe on. Um, yeah. Where there, in those stories, for me, there was no redemption because I didn't see the actual line in the sand. You know, like it was all could be debated. Where as here, Jesus is saying that. If you had followed my example, yeah, like I, I, I don't want to go as literal as like actually like feed the hungry and all that sort of thing, but it's just that care for your fellow person, like try and see from their perspective, like try and have empathy or have empathy, not try and have empathy, have empathy for everybody's situation. Um, those are the chosen righteous here. Um, where again, I like. Luckily, I, I don't frame my worldview with this punishment and hell situation <laughs> because death is, is the final stroke for me. Um, but yes, in, in the Brackenfell situation, the, there was no, there's no empathy from the side of the vocal community that were out there battling effectively the EFF. They were so staunch in their belief of the evil of the EFF that they can't see that their actions are justifying the wrong that was done to those children. Um, and that's just my belief. Yeah. Um, yeah. Because I'm thinking of the child in Jesus saying, I was the one that's hungry, and I was the one that's thirsty, and I was the one that's the stranger, and I was in the, the one that's the naked and sick, and so on. So mm. you, we could say, I was a black child seeking a good, a good education at Brackenfeld. Mm. And what and what, what, what did you do for me? Yeah. Um, did you give... Did you did you welcome me because I was a stranger? Did you see that my need is basic to the same need that you have of a good education? Mm. Do you see my that if you give if I'm able to have this good education, what benefit that would be to the country? But you didn't come alongside me. Now I want to argue that what Jesus was saying here was more than just being empathetic. Mm. He says mm. very emphatically, "I was hungry, you gave me." So it's just not being empathetic. You acted on your on the empathy. You 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 then did what was needed. So in the case of Brackenfeld, have we lost what was needed to really address that situation to the extent of what it has gone to now, where it's now become something else? Mm. In fact, if I if I heard the, the fellow shopkeeper, it's now no longer about those children. It's yeah. now about the EFF. Yeah. Yeah. That means yeah. that means this whole situation has been clouded. And Jesus is clear here. I was hungry. What did I need? You observed my hunger. What did you do? And you gave me what I needed at that time. Mm. And 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 when you didn't give me, then what were you actually doing? Um because the persons whom he says, you gave me no food, then they, they said to him, Lord, when was it 
that we saw you hungry and thirsty. So, you know, we, we were blind. We couldn't see you. What was blinding us? So again, you're going to the situation at Blackenfell, which is sort of foremost in our minds, um, that even when they were looking for a political solution there, nothing seemed to have changed. I wonder, and that's not my area, what the local churches were doing. Where were the Mm. voices of the churches? Mm. To do a proper analysis of what was going on so that they can bring up what was really the issue and yeah. then focus yeah. the gospel on that and then hopefully gather the, 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 the wider forces to be able to say, people, let's not lose sight of the actual reality that's going on mm. here. Mm. Because if I was that child now wanting to write my exams, having make every effort, I would feel nobody speaking for me. Mm. Um, and and when we would be questioned, Lord, when did we see you in that situation? Well, we saw you for a while, Lord, but we just seemed to have lost the yeah, plot when yeah. we got into our own bandwagon. So this is a very critical story for our own action. Mm. Um, however we want to act, um, is it in the way where we are saying that in our fellow sister and brother, we meet Jesus? Mm. What is our, our, our response to meeting Christ in each other? Do I see the Christ in you? Or am I already judging you because your look brings up the prejudice in me? Mm-hmm. So I'm blinded by my prejudice, not by your look. And so I will eventually say, Lord, when did I see you like that? And did not take care of. Mm. Because I'm blinded by my prejudices. I'm blinded by my individuality. I'm I'm protecting myself from from contamination to difference. Mm. And so eventually my fear drives me to violence. Because I I have to protect myself. I just need to qualify a couple of things <laughs> from my side. So, I am in no way condoning the EFCF's retaliation. Um, the act of retaliation shifted the narrative from the righteous path that they believed that they were on to a political situation now that completely overshadows um, the plight of the children. I believe that the plight of the children who were excluded from that celebration is valid because I went to RTS Bible. I I was schooled in a similar system. It's high schools in the north. It's that is how it is. (laughs) The politics are very similar. I know this because I have friends who are at DF Milan, who are at Brackenfell, who are at all of those schools, and their stories are the exact same as mine. And where we have a breakdown in our society is in those situations where you had an obvious clique of kids who decided, and their parents also empowered them to have a matric ball celebration, even though the school had none. Then you had teachers 
who joined them, which then justified their actions. But when you exclude an entire part of your community from that, that pays forward. So those connections, like we've all been through it where you meet influential people in your life in the weirdest of circumstances. So it could have been a conflict that was brewing over the school career. And then you had a beer together at the matric ball dance. And then you become friends for life. And later in life, you encounter each other in business. And you then reflect on that connection that you made then. Like these events are all intermingled. And it's a part of your professional journey. So when you get excluded from that, you are creating a division that this country doesn't need any more divisions <laughs> like that. Yeah. And for the community to just to completely miss the point and to say that, but it was a private event. No, it wasn't. Because it was a section of a school community that isolated themselves. And how do they friends like i'm sure some of them were like rugby players and they had black kids and colored kids on that rugby team and they were all friends in the locker room but now suddenly you're not cool enough to go have a matric ball together you know <laughs> like that's that erodes your self-confidence as as a person of color can i can i just cite that again you're bringing in you know how much we need for someone to pray that god may give us the spirit at all times to make us wise and to reveal God to us so that we may know him. Um, I believe you're right. The people that should have said no to this event should have been the principal, the governing body, and the teachers. Mm. It's going to create, you, you, you are enacting something that's generally part of the school life, but you're excluding um, people from it. It's simple as that. And the reason why you're excluding them is we can then say, you may not think it's political, but others are going to read into it politics, Mm. which is what Mm -hmm. is happening now. So in that situation, I do believe, having listened to it, that the leadership of the local school must take responsibility for the chaos that is out there now, because they Mm. should have put it into perspective. I remember a, a very classic experience that happened to me. I'm not sure it happened to other people. But certainly it happened to me. In one of the parishes I worked, um, we were going through a local, we were going through provincial election that also had local, the local provincial, that had local um, councillors now standing as well. And when I called for the time of, you know, prayer, people coming forward for special prayers, there was a person who was going to be the councillor for the ANC who was brought forward by Uncle Kali. Kali was a dear person who served as a, as a good member of our congregation, but a, a man with a heart of gold serving the community. And the ANC was the party that he believed was, you know, the party that would be helping the local community. Mm. But I observed, thankfully, <clears throat> when he, they asked for this, she wasn't last in line. She was in the middle. And... Oh, I thank God for his wisdom. When that request for prayer came, 
I said, could you just wait until I finished with the rest of the stuff? Because mm. I had mm. already observed there were two other people who were also counselors standing for different parties in mm. the same mm. community. And the wisdom of God led me to stop that part of the prayer, do the rest, and then called the other two candidates forward as well. Mm. And then prayed for all three of them. So that I can truly tell you, there was no backlash. And mm. I only prayed for one party candidate. And that's the kind of wisdom we're looking for, which we can't, I, I can't attain to myself. Mm. There's a situation yeah. before me, definitely I need the spirit of God and the wisdom that only God could give me and the revelation God is giving me to be able to address this. Now, I believe that such circumstances stand before us on a day-to-day -day basis. Yeah. Where silence from the leadership creates chaos. Where, 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 proper, where no proper analysis of the situation is thought through, chaos. Why did we do that? Because we need to protect our own. We are, we are, we are really being forced to think in a very prejudicial way. We are then divisive. Mm. And who will get hurt? is the voiceless. Mm. And unfortunately, the Brackenfell situation is classic to how we South Africans are dealing with our racism. Mm. Mm. And so my question would be, therefore, whilst many are talking about the fighting that should happen now, where is the voice that says, this is a classic scenario to learn from? Let's look at the whole picture. This is where our universities should come out and look at the scenario, not from the ivory towers of, of professional academia. This is where church leaders should step out from their ivory towers of, 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 of denominationalism and say, what can God teach us here? Mm. Through these two lessons, that we are reading on Christ the King Sunday, because we, for all of the things we've been doing or been silent about, we will be held accountable mm. before the King. Who cares for the hungry? Who is the thirsty one? Who is the stranger? Who is the naked? Who is the voiceless? Who is the sick? Who is the imprisoned one? Mm -hmm. And because we fail to see Christ in each other, we end up being separated as goats from sheep. Yeah. Father, if you would please take us through a couple of other points of reflection for the week in the praise of the church. My sisters and brothers, please listen to Stay With Me uh, on a YouTube where it's a song of calling us to prayer. And as we reflect, uh, looking at the microcosm of a situation at Brackenfell, we look at it as a, a scene of the whole South Africa gathered there. And as we stand before Christ our King, we ask that 
his justice may embrace all people. And that he as our king will call us into a mutual fellowship of love and care. Especially in his church, which is so divided along all kinds of boundaries. And so may Christ our King challenge us to live out the concerns of his justice in acts of compassion and liberation. And as we and as we do to and for others, so we serve you. Our prayer is to give thanks to the Lord and to exalt his name as we in action this petition. As we pray to Christ our King, we ask that as our King, he will give to all governments, to those who rule a deep concern for the needs of their people. We pray that Christ our King will give us an openness to welcome the stranger in peace and hospitality. And in our own nation, we have amongst us people that we call foreigners. Brothers and sisters from our own continent or from places where oppressions are worse that we treat in a horrible way. God may open our hearts to share our wealth and our poverty. Let's give thanks to the Lord and exalt his holy name. As we pray to Christ our King, we find in him the thirsty who need refreshment. The hungry need to be fed. The naked need to be clothed and prisoners need visitation. Lord, leave no one ignored and abandoned. Extend the boundaries of our concern beyond those who are easy to love. So we give thanks to the Lord and exalt his holy name. Christ our King, the sick, the lame and the infirm hold a special place in your concern. Give us grace to ensure that the care that is needed is provided. We continue to pray for all who are on this parish sick list of our members and friends of the parish. And for their caregivers, both in hospitals and at home. As your faithfulness endures from age to age, so we rejoice before your glory. Let us give thanks to the Lord and exalt God's holy name. Christ our King, you wept at the tomb of Lazarus and restored a little girl to life. Bring all the faithful departed to eternity with you. We pray for the souls of those who have died during this past week and remembering two of them who are known to us 
Elizabeth Rousseau and Diego, a 14-year-old who was shot in Kalkfontein last Sunday. Grandson to Beraldine Williams, the person providing the service of uh, cleaning the church. And we think also of the violence in between the gangsters at the moment and the leaderships amongst them that's being taken out violently and what effects this has on families and on communities. Gather to yourself all the bliss of your father. We realize that on a day-to-day -day basis, um, there's ever new infections amongst our people of COVID-19. We pray that people will become more vigilant, particularly around the protocols that would preserve life and keep people safe. And in the, in the light of vaccines being produced with um, great uh, uh, relief of, of effectivity, let us pray for those still in recovery, those who are going through bad patches, those who are dying, and those that have died. Author of life, healer of the nations, grant us courage to face our trial. Give us wisdom to find relief. Give us faith to live responsibly and grant us your salvation for Jesus Christ's sake. Amen. As part of our prayers, we, we would also in church be listening to Sibungeli Kumalo's version of a prayer, a plea for Africa. And so, my brothers and sisters, as we thank you for tuning in, we hope that from time to time we may also listen to your comments about this particular outreach of exploring our faith during this time of COVID-19. And who knows when COVID is over, we could extend this into exploring our faith under a level of normality or assumed normality. I then commission you with these words. On this Christ, or the feast of the Christ the King, Go now and embrace the hope to which God has called us. Recognize Christ in friend and stranger. And as Christ has been gracious to you, be gracious to those in need. And may God give you a place of rest on rich pasture. May Christ Jesus be the shepherd king who binds your wounds. And may the Holy Spirit give you wisdom and reveal to you the fullness of the one who fills all in all. Friends, we started off with a theme where we ask God to rule in our hearts and guide us to being faithful. Here is how we live out the truth of that theme. Let us go in peace, love and serve the Lord. In the name of Christ.